We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Rotowire DFS podcast. Presented by FanDuel, I'm Joe Pizapia, your host, and joining me for today is my co-host, John McKechnie, who I know is uh, knee-deep in trying to get himself out of the NFL draft for a little time for us on baseball. Right there, Johnny? Absolutely. It's been a, it's been a heck of a day. It's going to be a crazy weekend as well. Um, you know, obviously this draft is shaking out exactly the opposite of pretty much how everyone's mock drafts and expectations have gone, so everything's kind of turned on its head right now. No bigger waste of time than anyone who calls himself an NFL draft expert. It's the most <laughs> amazing thing in the world. They will spend months and months on this, on the conjecture of it. It's so much worse than even fan. Like as a fantasy writer for years now, I could tell you, I always like to put up, hey, you know, I was right about this guy, wrong about this guy. You'll never hear a peep out of these guys after tonight. Yeah, the second until that they're off by like a few picks, like it, it, it all, it, you know, trickles down and like that, you know, their mock draft ends up being, you know, like maybe two players they get right out of 32. Right. And they all do like a hundred of them probably. So one of them has one of these guys go into that team eventually. So, uh, Dude, but we're going to get guys for you. At it. <laughs> right. Exactly. But we're going to get some guys for your fan duel team today. All right. Let's go to the pitchers. Top of the board. Our boy, Max Scherzer cash game. Uh, certainly darling tonight. Uh, 11,600, but he's going against the Mets. Now, I know DeGrom's on the other side of that, but the way the Mets offense has been running, I, I think it's hard not to like Scherzer in the cash games, right? That, that's exactly what I was thinking. You know, I, you know, at first glance, you see that he's, he's paired against DeGrom, and it, it makes you a little bit nervous. But the way that Scherzer's pitching and, and that, the offense, obviously it's inflated by, by what they were able to do at Coors this week, but that offense really is just terrifying right now if you're an opposing pitcher. Um, so I imagine that Scherzer will, will be able to get that requisite uh, run support here. And the, the Mets are just, you know, from two weeks ago when, when I thought they were one of the best teams in baseball uh, to now they just look like, a, you know, the sort of mess that they were at certain points last year. It's, it's really been surprising how quickly things have gone sour for the Mets. Uh, so I think Scherzer is a much safer bet 
in cash games than maybe we would have thought initially given the matchup. Especially with Cespedes, too, headed for an MRI on that hamstring. So, I mean, an offense, yeah, an offense that already wasn't playing well, already down a notch. All right, Carlos Carrasco is underneath him at 10,800. So, obviously, we, we like Scherzer there. What about Carrasco against Ariel Miranda? I mean, that, that's another one where I think you look at that and you go, okay, well, there's a guy who's pitched very well so far this year. Uh, the ERA has been good. Typically, year over year, he's struggled at home in Cleveland. This is not just one season. This goes back two years. Does that give you any pause? You buy into those splits that have been pretty strong over the last two years for Carrasco, or you shake that off in 2017's a new year? Well, it's interesting that you bring up the like the home park factor that that sort of you know countered how things uh, tend to go sometimes. But uh, in this case, I like his win probability a lot. I, you know, once we start talking about hitters, I'm definitely going to be targeting uh, some Cleveland hitters going against Ariel Miranda, particularly the right-handers. Um, so I really like Carrasco's win probability here. I like his you know probability for a quality start. Uh, Seattle can kind of have a pesky offense, and Nelson Cruz seems to have finally woken up. I think he he had hit home runs in three straight games coming into today. Didn't get to see what he had done uh, this afternoon, but um, I still like the Indians, uh, you know, pretty much across the board in this game. I, I could, I could see where you want to go with Carrasco and save yourself the 800. Uh, I'm still going to do my, everything I can to, to make my cash lineups uh, Scherzer centric instead of Carrasco. Um, but, you know, when you consider that the next two guys down the board that aren't uh, too much uh, cheaper than Carrasco, I think Carrasco, definitely fits in uh, correctly as the second uh, best pitcher on the board for tonight. Uh, I think you just coined a new phrase there. Scherzer centric. I like that. I don't know what that. I, <laughs> I went to well done. I went to college. <laughs> hey, I don't mean that. Like, I think it's a great, I like the phrase. That's all. Uh, I, one of the most unheralded starts, I think to the 2017 season has to be Milwaukee Brewers, Chase Anderson. This was a guy who was a little rushed in the diamondback system. And I look at Anderson as a guy who's, been left alone he's had to develop on the fly in the big leagues unfortunately that's not always the easiest thing a lot of guys don't ever figure that out on the big league level and they lose confidence but Anderson actually this year he hasn't had a start less than 30 points on Fanduel scoring we got 31 52 30 and 40 and I'm looking at him with a very winnable game against the Atlanta Braves and Bartolo Colon Uh, to me Anderson I think deserves a lot of looks especially in tournament play this uh this Friday yeah, you just kind of w- woke me up to him a little bit. Uh, you know, I was initially kind of uh, looking at Tyon as, as sort of a GPP consideration, even though he's had a few shaky starts mixed in. But I think you bring up a really good point with Anderson. And I love you got to love the matchup because you know the Brewers are going to uh, mash a bunch of runs across uh, going against Cologne, especially in that ballpark. And, you know, assume that uh, Thames is in the lineup, you know, his hamstring issue. Uh, hopefully it will be behind him by the time that Friday – uh, gets going here. So I, I really like that Chase Anderson pick a lot. I mean, that, that you know, obviously it's early, but like you said, he, he has the tools. He, he's always had that potential, and it seems like he's starting to put it together with, you know, that string of uh, four consecutive really, really good starts here, uh, especially for FanDuel purposes. Now, I got to give you credit, too. Last Friday when we talked, Adam Conley, you nailed that start with the Padres, and uh, he's got another start here against the Pirates. You talked about Tyon, but what about Conley on the other end, where Miami offensively has played pretty well this year, and Pittsburgh offensively has you know, struggled at times to score runs? That, that's a very good point. You know, and obviously, there, we're at a pitcher's park here uh, down in Miami here. So I think that definitely plays to, uh, to Conley's favor. He's $300 more expensive than Tyon, but you got to give a slight edge to Miami in terms of the win probability here. And, uh, you know, Conley can, can definitely take advantage of, of shaky offenses. I, I would definitely 
you know, be afraid to use him against some of the more elite offenses in the game. He has three starts against the Mets this year, oddly enough. Um, but yeah, I think he's, he's a guy that definitely is worth your consideration. Uh, but you know, for $200 more, I'm definitely going for Chase Anderson. Um, you have convinced me of that, but if you look up the board a little bit, uh, guys like Samarja, uh, going against the Padres or, you know, he gets that home start against sort of a shaky Padres lineup or a Robbie Ray, uh, who's pitched pretty well this year in his own right, but he gets Colorado in Chase Field. I mean, that you can't you can't go for either pitcher in this game, can you? No, probably not. I mean, as much as I like Robbie Ray's strikeout potential, uh, it's more tied to the price of eighty eight hundred. I I'll tell you what. I mean, Colorado's a good lineup, and I think Colorado's got a bunch of hitters now, like Blackman, like Arenado, who hit everywhere. So it's not like days of past where it was Tulowitzki and Cargo who were just such stark. Uh, contrast in terms of what they did in Colorado and what they did on the road. So they travel a little bit better offensively than they used to, that were conditioned to. So that gives me pause with Robbie Ray. I don't think Robbie Ray is impossible to use in that one, but uh, I'll tell you what, I mean, I want to talk about guys too, that we're starting to uh, troll tonight. Uh, let's start with the guy with an ADRA. How about Kenta Maeda, who's looked all kinds of lost. He's at home against the Phillies. And Michael Franco, in particular, is a bat that, yeah, the batting average hasn't been there, but the power has and certainly the run production has as well. Uh, so are we looking for any of these Philly bats against Kenta Maeda tonight? I think that that certainly is in play, guys like Altair and, and Galvis. Uh, you know, I was looking at a lot of the winning lineups from, from you know, Wednesday's uh, tournaments, and there were a lot of Philly stacks. And, you know, obviously they all paid off, and a lot of them obviously had to include uh, Franco, who – well over 30 points, had the Grand Slam, had a second Grand Slam of the year. And yeah, Maeda is really just, you can't pitch himself out of a paper bag at this point right now. <laughs> just no confidence in him. Uh, he seems to have really lost uh, whatever it was that he was using to fool hitters uh, in previous seasons here. So yeah, the Phillies, Phillies, especially if you go for an expensive pitcher, uh, that's, a, that's like an interesting way to get sort of a cheap stack against a pitcher that, that you know, even if his price doesn't reflect it, he might be the worst on the board uh, tonight. I mean, that that's not including my. Yeah, price. his price might not reflect it, but the ERA certainly does. The yes. ERA is eerie, eerily similar to where his price usually is. It's got an eight in front of it. I don't know. <laughs> usually, that's not something we're we're good used God. to. Yeah, good God is right. All right. Speaking of good God, Mike Pelfrey is going to make a start in Detroit. Uh, I'd love all kinds of shares of Detroit in this one too, offensively. Uh, Upton's been strong lately. Uh, I could go for Kinsler in this one. Basically anybody because I always feel like Mike Pelfrey is basically a, a giant outing waiting to happen for yes. an offense. Uh, Luis Perdomo with the Padres too. Now the Giants have been banged up a bit, so I don't go too crazy over there, but I think um, when you look at it, I think Pelfrey's one for sure. And I'll tell you what, I've been rolling with Arizona all week at home. That Arizona Diamondback team at home so far this year, I mean, they're just raking. You got the Goldschmidt's, you got Lamb, you got Tomas. Even Owings and guys like that have been DFS contributors. Uh, I was using them very effectively during the week against the Colorado stack concept and trying to fade that Colorado, and it's worked out for me. And I'm thinking about carrying that over. You think that's a good idea into the weekend? Yeah, definitely. You know, like in – I like how their their lineup kind of shake, shakes out. Like uh, on on Wednesday, I had one uh, stack where it was Goldschmidt, Lamb, uh, 
Tomas and, and Drury, and you know they're all hitting pretty much back to back to back. Uh, so that that paid off really nicely. Unfortunately, Drury had an early exit from that game Wednesday, but at, at the same time, yeah, I was definitely all over Arizona this week as well, and it's it's paying off. And obviously, uh, when Colorado's coming to town with with uh, you know a subpar pitcher, even by their standards, I think that this is a this is definitely one to take advantage of. You're going to have to you know go down the board as far as your pitcher is concerned in order to get you know, multiple guys other than Goldschmidt, but I think that makes complete sense tonight. All right, let's go to the catcher board here. We've got uh, the usual suspects at the top, but the first name I want to talk about is Yasmani uh, Grandal. He's at home against the Phillies, against Eikhoff. Uh, he's a switch hitter, Grandal, but I prefer him power-wise from the left side, and he's got Jared Eikhoff, the right-handed pitcher. I think at 29, that's a decent uh, investment. If you continue to go down the board, I want to know your thoughts on Wilson Contreras. He's been a little bit boomer bust. He's had some big games and some really quiet ones as well, but he's got Drew Pomerantz, who uh, is one of those guys that can certainly help you towards that bigger one. Uh, you think Contreras gives you enough floor, or is it not quite enough to get excited about a 2,900? Yeah, that that is sort of our, our common theme when we're, when we're talking about catchers here is, you know, if we're if we're going for, you know, that second or third tier of catchers, do they give you any sort of any sort of floor and Contreras really doesn't. And, uh, you know, I was sort of enamored with him earlier in the week after using him uh, last Saturday when he hit a grand slam, I believe, against the Reds. Um, but, you know, obviously it didn't really pay off uh, the rest of the week in recent appearances. I'm sort of interested actually in uh, the Texas catchers. I know that Luke Croy has been a, a massive disappointment, but uh, I brought this up on Wednesday. We we did, uh, or I did a bit of a digging into his numbers. Uh, his batting average on balls in play was sitting at around 200. That just that's something that you know is bound to bounce up closer yes. to the 300 range at some point. And he is uh, his contact rate was at like 91 percent so he is making contact it's just not the best contact and it's obviously finding gloves at this point but at 2700 I think there's some upside potential there you know it is in Texas he is going against left-hander Tyler Skaggs so I think Lucroy definitely gonna have low ownership because of what he's done to this point in the year but I, I I'm betting on that breakout sooner rather than later I'm so glad you mentioned it because that was the next guy I'm going that was my favorite guy on the board today you nailed it Certain times where there's just a hitter who's too good of a hitter, where the price has gone way too low, Lucroy has hit that spot right now for me. I liken it back to a couple years ago. Remember where Cano basically bottomed out and was pretty much the bottom of the second baseboard for about three or four weeks? He was in every lineup I made <laughs> because, because there's, just, there's just no way you're going to top out that potential return on investment. Just too good of a professional hitter. Lucroy is not a 190 guy. He's only got one home run and a couple RBIs in the month of April. It's just not going to last. It's going to turn around and having the lefty matchup against Tyler Skaggs is the perfect guy to turn him around. I'm with you. 2,700. Let's get Jonathan Lucroy and make that happen. You and I, lock and load, baby. Jonathan Let's Lucroy. Do Let's load do up. it, baby. Woo! <laughs> you know, let me hear a little Ric Flair woo on that. Woo! That's what I want. <laughs> I don't. I don't do a good woo, so I'm gonna leave well, that one. I'll do you. it for the both of us. All right. So we got Eric Thames dealing with a hamstring injury at 4,500. I'm, I'm sure he'll hit a home run from the bench, regardless. Yep. Uh, you know, it's. <laughs> this point, I mean, at this point, I just can't even. Uh, Anthony Rizzo at 46, though. Let's talk about him at the top of the board because I feel like a lot of times people will see the lefty matchup and go, eh, I don't know if I want to pay for Rizzo, but Rizzo has really, you know, in the last two years of his career, uh, really hit lefties very well and I feel like people don't realize that necessarily and and automatically will fade off of him but I think Pomeranz is a great matchup for him in Boston a very favorable hitter ballpark so 
I'm looking for him to get uh, right. I also, I mean, Ryan Zimmerman, it's hard to argue what he's done this year. Now he's got a tough matchup against DeGrom. But first base is a place where we can always find uh, more options and more value. So if we don't go to the top of the board, who are some of the guys that are appealing to you? Is it still Encarnacion at 36? Because that's the guy I talked about in this morning's podcast. Yep, yep. We're certainly on the same page there with Encarnacion. Uh, Miranda, I believe, has given up five home runs already this season to right-handed hitters. Uh, I expect that number to balloon to at least six uh, thanks to Encarnacion on Friday. I just don't have a whole lot of trust that Miranda's even going to make it out of four or five innings uh, going against Cleveland. And then uh, that, that Mariners bullpen has been pretty shaky as well. They gave Obviously, they gave up, I think, 19 runs to the Tigers earlier this week. So, uh, obviously, that that that's a taxed pitching staff that obviously is not doing particularly well right now. So Encarnacion at thirty six hundred uh, makes a lot of sense to me if you really don't want to uh, pay, pay up four grand plus. Uh, but I think if you do want to go for that four thousand floor, I think Will Myers makes sense. Uh, you know, Samarge is a guy even in uh, AT and T Park where where you know obviously it's a pitcher's park. Samarge is a guy that always is giving up runs, and Myers is. You know, best part of that lineup uh, by a long shot. So if you want to get a bit of a Padre stack going, uh, I could see, I could definitely make a case uh, for Will Myers here. Now this is strictly a tournament potential play, but I'm going to throw this name out there too. It's a big saving. So if you're looking for a Scherzer lineup with a little bit of savings, of a guy first base, you got to make sure he's in the lineup. Got to make sure he's playing. He's a switch hitter. He's got a matchup against Ian Kennedy who gives up a lot of fly balls and this guy can hit fly balls and hit balls that go out of the ballpark. And he's recently been brought back up and it's the Minnesota twins. Kenny's Vargas. Uh, is there any love for him? If he should be in the lineup at 2,600 in tournaments or, or even in cash games to say, Hey, let me, let me see if I can get that big pitcher in there uh, and go up to the Scherzer centric lineup as you so lovely coined. Um, I think that, you know, the, the splits definitely match up here and, and, you know, we, we got a case where, where Kennedy is certainly a fly ball pitcher that, you know, they go out seemingly more often than not. So if, yeah, that's definitely going to separate you, uh, in your tournament lineups. I think a lot of the times myself included, will kind of, uh, talk themselves into, into if we're, if we're going for this cheap at first base, just kind of fall into the Greg Bird sand trap. Uh, I think I'm going to stop doing that just for my own mental health. And I think sanity. that's a good, I think that's wise. That's a good idea. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm off that train. Um, but another, I think, yeah, Vargas is definitely an interesting one and you, he's one that you'll definitely have to check that he's in the lineup, but uh, that's definitely an interesting play there. Um, I think Kendris Morales is also starting to heat up. I think he went uh, yard at least one, at least once on Thursday. Yes, he did. Uh, and it was like an absolute uh, shot. If I remember correctly, seeing the stat cast uh, graphic on that. So uh, Morales going against Blake Snell. I think that uh, Morales makes some sense at 2,900. If you, you know, if you're going uh, towards the lower end at first base. All right. Over at third base, we've mentioned Michael Frank already at just 3,300. I think a, a terrific get considering how bad uh, and all there as well. If he's in that lineup, those are two Phillies I would keep a very close eye on. Let's talk about Todd Frazier, who's come back and actually hit pretty well since he's uh, come back from a little bit of injury. He's got the matchup against Matt Boyd, I think is a favorable one. Uh, the last three outings heading into Thursday, 16, 35, and 10. So certainly uh, relevant and at 3,600, I think a very good potential return on investment, a guy that's got power a guy that's also got a little bit of speed don't let's not forget that about Todd Frazier and uh, sleep on that and then there's Travis Shaw 3700 uh, Atlanta and Milwaukee Cologne pretty much a fastball pitcher uh, Shaw pretty much a fastball hitter 
So let's see what happens when uh, the immovable old man hits the uh, <laughs> the young Travis Shaw object. <laughs> uh, but the, between those two guys, is there one you would favor? Uh, you go with the uh, you know Shaw, who's had a good month, or Frazier, who's just kind of uh, coming back and getting back and getting right. You know, I had almost basically forgotten that Todd Frazier was still walking the earth. I'd forgotten that the White Sox were a team, really. <laughs> yeah, but, well, until Yohan Makata comes up, I think everybody's going to forget that for the most part. Although they're one of the top teams in ERA. Just putting that out there. It's just, it's just, you know, it's so weird at this it's point. It's April. But, that's what it is. I think that's what you're looking for. It's April, kids. Slow down. <laughs> but, yeah, Shaw was the guy that, that initially jumped off uh, the board to me. I think he, he is going to be highly owned in, in GPPs here, uh, you know, if, if – you know, players aren't going for the, your Arenados and your Lambs. Um, so I think Shaw is going to be highly owned. So you can definitely separate yourself by, by going the Frazier route. And I think people will click on his, you know, see his numbers. He's hitting, you know, 163. He only has one home run uh, to this point in the season. But uh, that, that White Sox-Tigers game is one of the higher over-unders on the day. And I had been kind of trying to, you know, think think out, like, how how am I going to get as much game <laughs> as I can? Well, Rager's a way of going about it. He definitely is. And I'll tell you another guy, too. We talked about Lucroy hitting rock bottom price-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manny Machado's at 3,300 against CC Sabathia. And it's in New York, a tiny ballpark. Uh, I, I think Manny Machado's ownership percentage is going to be very high heading into uh, Friday night's games for sure. So I think Machado... Uh, Franco, you, we talked about Todd Frazier. I think third base tonight. Yeah, third base rules tonight. It's third base rules. It's where the value is. And, and to me, uh, I think that's a smart place of where you start building your lineup with one of those guys and you get your pitcher that you like in the cash game, start at third base, and then see what else is available. All right, baseball is here. Don't get stranded on first base without a Rotowire subscription and don't miss out on this great offer. Make your first deposit on FanDuel today and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. So go to FanDuel.com slash Rotowire to claim it. You must be a new FanDuel user in order to be eligible. So users may only establish one account on FanDuel. That's FanDuel.com slash Rotowire. All right, let's go to the middle infield, see if that's uh, as nice as third base. Something's going to tell me it's not. Let's start with Trey Turner, 4,100 at shortstop. Uh, certainly he's come back with authority. I mean, when you come back and you, you hit for the cycle this week, that's uh, that's great. Now he's not in uh, – he's got Jacob deGrom, but I think that $4,100 salary, even though it's pricey, considering the skill set of what Turner gives you, mm-hmm. I don't think it's impossible to use. No, I, I don't think so at all. I think, you know, you, you're able to get – uh, you know, you get the stolen base potential. You get, you know, what would normally be a single for a lot of players turns into extra bases when it's Turner and he can come around. You know, he's got such a strong lineup behind him uh, to where I think that 4,100 uh, is certainly uh, definitely within the price range of where where you can do your best to like make room for, to get Turner in there, even though, he, you know, at, at first glance, 4,100 does seem expensive for a middle infielder. Yeah, it does. But I mean, I think, you know, if you don't like that route, I think Corey Seager against Eikhoff for the right hander, that's certainly viable too. You're still underpriced. I don't get it. I agree. Mashing all week too. I agree. I I could not agree more. I mean, it's a $600 savings from Trey Turner and Corey Seager, and I'm willing to make that jump. I'll, I'll tell you what, too, if you really, I mean, I know it's Carlos Carrasco, but considering Carrasco's ERA at home last two years, if you told me Gene Segura at 33, I mean, I'm also buying into him too. He's been very good since he came back from that hamstring issue. A guy who's going to steal bases, a guy who's got a little bit of pop too. And that's a that's a pretty – I mean, 3,300 for Gene Segura with his skill set, 
is very solid, as is Chris Owings. I think he's back in there as well. Uh, and I think you could probably even make the case for some of the guys lower, but I'll, I'll say this. I think there's plenty of value right in that wheelhouse we talked about from 3,300 all the way up to Corey Seager if you don't really want to go all the way to the top for Trey Turner. All right, let's go to second I have, base. I have one more. Oh, you got one more. Oh, yeah, do yeah, it. One more potential uh, shortstop. Um, I talked about him a little bit earlier in the week, uh, Tim Beckham. It's it's definitely a tough matchup he's facing, uh, the Blue Jays' ace, but uh, he's actually been consistently putting up points uh, for you know the past week or so. Uh, he went yard twice and had a double uh, on Wednesday night. So that, that's obviously not something that you're banking on, but he hasn't had a, a goose egg since uh, like middle of last week. Uh, he's had several uh, games over 20 points. Uh, his swing looked really strong to me. It looks like he, he might be starting to put it together because he is you know, a former high draft pick with, with a ton of potential there. Um, and, you know, 2,700, you're going you're gonna to need to make some sacrifices at certain positions if, if you're going really, if you're going with like a Diamondback stack, if you're going with Scherzer. So I think, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, within the realm of possibility that Beckham uh, goes for double digits on Friday. All right, let's go over to second base now. You've got, uh, if you're going to spend four grand on an out, uh, infielder with the Washington Nationals, I would certainly go towards the Met killer, Daniel Murphy. Uh, yeah. I don't know how much you Revenge. want to buy into uh, <laughs> the numbers against the Mets, but they are pretty substantial no matter who's on the mound. I know it's the Grom and all, but, man, I mean, Daniel Murphy's just crushing the Mets. But I'll tell you what, the first guy that pops to me is the $3,400 Jonathan Scope, who has power. He's got the matchup against C.C. Sabathia, who at this mm-hmm. stage in his career, I know he's gotten off to a good start, but he's still a much lesser version of what he was tiny ballpark i love scope's potential for the bomb in this one and uh look that's what i'm looking for uh, jonathan scope hits bombs that's what he does that's what i want him to do how about robinson cano at 34 i talked about carrasco maybe this is a little bit of an opposite idea uh maybe people will stay away from carrasco but i mean cano is a professional hitter so is 3400 enough to get you interested in him against carrasco or is the matchup just not appealing enough no, I, th- I think it totally works out in this scenario. Anytime that Cano draws a righty, I'm, I'm going to at least consider him. So I think, yeah, this 3,400 range here for, for your second baseman, I was having a hard time kind of figuring out what I wanted to do at second base tonight. But really, any of these options, you know, and that includes uh, D. Gordon, Cesar Hernandez, or Jonathan VR, including Scope and Cano, I think all of those guys uh, make sense. I think you, you kind of the way that this board is kind of priced out and Kinsler at 3500 you kind of have to have to find a way to to spend this much at second base uh, i don't really think there's a ton of uh, viable options underneath them uh, except maybe like Ryan Schimpf, like total boomer. What about bust. Castro? Was that somebody who might pop in for 3,100? I mean, he's gotten off to a great start, and, and Gossman's been pretty up down. You know, I've watched all of Gossman's starts, and he does not look good right now. So no, he doesn't. I think you can certainly make a case again for for stacking up some Yankees if you want to go Castro and Headley. Uh, I think that definitely makes sense. Uh, it's not too expensive to do it, or you know, if you want to get Greg Bird involved there because righties do see the ball out of Gossman's hands, uh, you know, a lot better than you might expect for you know a right-hander that throws gas. So I think the Yankees are are going to get to Gossman uh, early on Friday. All right, let's head over to the outfield. Look who's gone to the very top here. Number three on the board, Michael Brantley. How about that? 4,300 behind Harper and Trout. Wow, talk about a quick riser in April, just uh, beginning of the year. He was not anywhere near here. 
And uh, now all of a sudden, look at uh, Michael Brantley. But I'm actually, I got to say, at 4,300, I'm, I'm not chasing him. <laughs> no, and yeah, I think that's still a little bit rich. I'd, I'd still like to see, a, you know, a longer uh, sustained uh, success out of Brantley before I, before I consider, you know, paying what, what you used to a few years back uh, for Brantley, which is obviously where he is now price-wise. Um, and also, you know, it's a lefty-lefty matchup. Even if it's Miranda, it's still something to... Uh, give you some pause and maybe go in a different direction if you're going for an expensive outfielder. All right. Now, Mookie Betts has been very hit and miss in the daily fantasy world this year so far. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a guy that I'm actually not used to being like that. I'm used to the floor of Mookie Betts being, you know, 15 points, and I'm used to the ceiling being 30. I'm not used to the the floor being, you know, <laughs> six some nights. That's not good. Or even worse, he's put up a couple goose eggs from here to there. But he's mm-hmm. all the way down to 3,900. Now, he's got Arietta, but he's in Boston. Is this an opportunity here? We talked about some other guys. We we talked about Lucroy. We talked uh, before about uh, some other players where the talent is there. Thirty nine hundred. That's a player who's usually well over four. You know, we're talking like a forty five range, even you know even higher than that sometimes. Is there opportunity here with Mookie Betts, or the fact that he's inconsistent kind of give you a little bit of concern? Well, I think the Red Sox are a little bit more appealing uh, tonight against Arietta than than you know you would think at first glance. I, I watched Arietta pitch against uh, the Reds last week, and he got uh, hit around a pretty good bit here. And you know, I think the Reds have a pretty good offense at the, at this point. I think we can say that at least to this point in the season. We'll see if they're able to keep that up. But obviously, the Red Sox uh, have you know one of the one of the elite offenses in baseball when it's clicking. So yeah, bets at their at thirty nine hundred. Uh, that does seem like a bargain for a guy that that could routinely be 4,500 every night when he's right. So I think the Red Sox here are kind of an interesting play. I think some people might, you know, that usually stack up Red Sox might, you know, be scared off by the by the the marquee matchup of having Arietta on there. But I think that Betts would definitely be uh, the the main Red Sox uh, outfielder or position player that I would target. Now, we talked about trying to get some shares of some of those White Sox. How about Avisel Garcia? I'm waiting for him to stop hitting, and it just doesn't seem to have happened. <laughs> I mean, I just, I mean, he's hitting 370 right now. He's got four bombs and 17 RBIs in the month of April. Uh, I mean, the bottom has yet to drop out of Avisel Garcia, and he's got the matchup against the soft toss and lefty Boyd, and I feel like this is another one where, hey, looking for some bats, 3,800 Avisel Garcia. I can certainly justify it. I don't think it's terrible at all. Yeah, I'm not sure that I've even used Garcia this year. And I know that I haven't. It's been to my detriment because, like you said, he's been absolutely killing it. And this matchup is, you know, about as good as we see on the board today. So I hope probably if if people are going after White Sox, he'd probably be the most highly owned, Um, certainly more so than than Frazier at this point. But, yeah, I mean, Garcia, like you said, until he stops hitting, like what's the argument against him at this point? In tournaments, you know, you mentioned about uh, Gossman and right-headed hitters getting good looks on him. Does that put Aaron Judge in the conversation tonight totally. for you? Okay, absolutely. I think I think uh, Gossman, the way that his you know his his placement has be has been, he's been leaving a lot of balls uh, in really favorable spots here. So I think Judge uh, can definitely run into one and put one in the left field seats. All right. Anybody else in the outfield kind of uh, float your boat? Uh, I mentioned earlier some of the Phillies. I think Odubel Herrera, 3,600. That's one that would certainly stick out to me. Another guy with a good power speed uh, set up there. The lefty-righty matchup against Maeda. I think the floor of Odubel Herrera is a very good three times value of salary at the very minimum on any given night with possibility for much more. Anybody else kind of 
pop out to you as terms of value on that board as we go down this like 36 ish range and less? Um, I, I did like uh, Yasmani Tomas. I think you mentioned uh, that a diamondback stack. I think Tomas, he's always hitting in that middle third of the order here. And, you know, he's going against a lefty at, at home at Chase Field. So uh, he's definitely one to consider. I uh, don't like Ellsbury as much as I do like Judge. Uh, I just don't think he has quite the upside uh, that we'd want there. And Upton, Justin Upton at 3,600, he's appealing actually. He's starting to, to come on a little bit. Uh, he's turned into kind of uh, subpar games, but he had a stretch where he was averaging well over 20 points earlier in the week. So uh, Upton, you know, obviously he's a guy that can give you that goose egg, but uh, when he when he's on, and certainly this matchup dictates that he that he could be, um, I think Upton definitely be, be worth that 3,600. Well, I'll tell you, after tonight, I don't think anybody has an excuse not to win money tonight in DFS because I think, uh, honestly, I, I think we've we done good there, kid. I think uh, John's got good, some... Boy. I think we've done good there, son. So uh, go out there, take all this knowledge we've given you, go apply it because there's a lot to get excited about. You know, sometimes the slate's kind of, eh, you're not sure where to go. This one, I think there's a lot of options, a lot of ways to go about it. I think there's a lot of cash game love in here. I think there's a lot of tournament play love in here. This is a good slate. It's a Friday night. You should go out there and have some fun. You can follow him on Twitter at Johnny McCax. You can follow me at Joe Pizapia 17 For everybody here at Rotowire, I'm Joe Pizapia. We'll see you next time, kids.